Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. Uh, welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. Um, today, I have a, a friend of mine here that's like one of the most interesting people I've met in quite some time. Um, he is the Director of Legal Operations and Social Equity at Pleasantries, uh, Jerome Crawford. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, my brother. I appreciate you having me, man. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I know how busy you are. Um, yeah, I, I, I got probably more questions than time. So <laughs> let's just jump right into it. All right. <laughs> let's do it. Um, Director of Legal Operations and Social Equity. What does that mean? Make make it make sense. It's a mouthful for one. Yeah. Uh, so it makes my business cards look really fun. Yeah. You got you, once you get to that second line, like you're doing a lot. Um, <laughs> so my role is a bit of a hybrid role. Uh, I'm an attorney by trade. Um, I spent my career before this role being in big law at large law firms, like you see on watch the TV show Suits to being what you call in-house counsel, which you go from basically big law where you've got a bunch of different clients and their singular issues to having uh, one singular client and all of their issues. So I spent time uh, in in-house roles in the automotive spaces and automotive adjacent um, that was uh, both in, um, a publicly traded company in the private sector. So I brought all that experience into the role of when you say legal operations, what that means is basically any and everything that our company could do from a legal perspective. So it's not just, oh my gosh, lawsuits and disputes and not just the doom and gloom, but the good stuff, mergers and acquisitions. We're doing new deals, intellectual property to protect the brand, uh, contracts, just general HR and employment issues, right? So literally anything that could come across from a legal perspective, I do that and, and, and share that role. Uh, with our chief legal officer, um, who directs the department, but also is on our C-suite and board uh, of directors. Uh, and it's the flip side of my role, which I think is the really cool part, is social equity. Social equity is a term of art in the cannabis space. Uh, it's kind of akin to when people think about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, really, what it comes down to is leveling the playing field. I'm sure we'll get into it more, but as we know, cannabis, we like to say, is a new industry. It ain't that new, right? It's been around for a long time. You know, we were, right. we, were, we, were, we were talking offline, joking about the show Snowfall, right? And, right. and without, without no spoilers, somebody hasn't seen it, yeah. despite, let's call it the intentionality of Snowfall and, and the roles that were played there from government and things like that. We know for sure there's a thing called the war on drugs that exists in the cannabis space and how the war on drugs used to specifically target black and brown communities, um, namely cannabis, namely marijuana, um, how that was criminalized. And so we step into an industry now that is legal, right? That is new, but it comes with a complicated history. And all social equity about is about is trying to level the playing field. And that comes from different angles. It comes from one angle, which is the state, right? Saying we're gonna lower the barriers of entry for people to get in the industry. It comes from legislation and advocacy work where it's, hey, how do we, how do, we do anything for people that are still locked up behind bars for something that's now legal? that you know was illegal when they did it or literally illegal but now they right. jammed up uh, and then it's the other place that i think we play as an operator the angle that is we're in the business we are privileged and blessed to be doing it make sure we do what we can with our pail of water and we carry that to pay it forward from opening doors for people to get in the industry to partner with you know local community groups um as well as getting on the front lines of legislation and advocacy work so uh, more to that but that's kind of the other side of my role yeah yeah and um that 
I imagine that all of the folks that are in the, the cannabis business maybe don't have a social equity officer, right? I mean, yeah. why why is that important to leadership at Pleasantries? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for us, to be candid, man, it, we didn't want to act like we were just paying lip service to it. And, and it wasn't about looking at what our competitors were doing or not doing or someone out there is being genuine. We'd look in the mirror. Right. And I say we because it started just before I got there. I mean, I had a lot of work I did in DEI spaces for years. I mean, I'm a former president of an organization called the Wolverine Bar Association, which is basically the preeminent black lawyers, law students and judges org in the state of Michigan for 100 years. I mean, I got a chance to be the president you know, a couple of years ago, I'd say still relatively, I'd say like to say early in my practice, hoping I'm practicing law for a long time, you know, to do that, to be in roles like co-chairing the Men of Color Project, which is a uh, initiative to the Young Lawyers Division of the American Bar Association. So national work I got to do, a lot of other things, you name it. And so I've done that work for a long time. I didn't know coming over here that that was even in scope at the time for the world. I think we kind of figured it out together. We knew that we needed legal support. We knew that that we want to do more in social equity and do it meaningfully and not just pay lip service to it. So really when I was coming and starting to meet the team last year, we were just having organic conversations and, and, it, and even developed what my role was. We kind of created it together and said, that became even even more poignant. We said, this lawyer stuff's cool, but man, you bring that other piece and we're looking for this and how do we make that a reality? So the reason right. it's important to us, man, is we look in the mirror and go, we can be doing more. We should be doing more. And by no it's, it's funny, we just launched, we called our social equity plan and we can tell you more about it. But basically in that plan, one of the things we make it a point to say is that we don't have all the answers. We're never going to send a tout ourselves and pat, our, pat ourselves in the back or film ourselves giving someone underprivileged a dollar or some money. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's tasteless. And our CEO loves talking. He said, man, I, he, said that, 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 he said that makes my skin crawl, right? Yeah. He's like, let's do the good work just because we're supposed to and just do our part of the good work that we can. And realistically, we're a for-profit business, for-profit company and a for-profit industry. So what that means is we got to do well so we can do good. That's so right. the goal is that as we do well, don't forget to do good. Make sure you're doing good along the way. And that's unique to this space. I mean, no one has that, I would say, expectation of the automotive industries we're talking about or say the food industry and whatnot. Um, but for us, because we understand and we acknowledge the difficult, complicated history that comes with cannabis use yeah. and culture and all of that, is to do what we can. And so some of that was to put myself on the front lines, right? Because now it is in my title, holds my feet to the fire, but also right. then it holds the company's feet to the fire. Oh, y'all have someone that oh, social equity falls under a person, right? right? And we and one thing people know about me, I'm not a tokenism guy. It's not, oh, you gave the black guy the title. No, I mean, we, 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 we're very clear about that, <laughs> that it's not about that. I don't move that way. It just that I happen to bring that experience for us and can leverage to our ability. So if I sum it up, man, you know, when I say what my role means on the social equity side and why partly it's important, it is for me to be the, both the conscience and the compass for the company, right? To, and the buck doesn't all stop with me. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm the only one in the room that sure. would catch, God forbid, the Gucci moment, right? The H&M moment, right? Which is like, hey, let's not market that product that's racist. Like, yeah. no, it doesn't mean that. What it means is just that like, you know, I'm helping steer with the, with the work and the support of my teammates because I'm able yeah. to bring knowledge and expertise and together, you know, in everything we do, we're making it a point to try to be better today than we were yesterday and tomorrow than today uh, and make meaningful, genuine impact. The, the, um, the experience and the, the intentionality, right? Just, yeah. you know, being very intentional about it, I think is, is super important. That, that the intentionality of it, I think, is is where we really 
um, the experience, and like you said, you're not some, you know, token. This is a real um, endeavor that the leadership, you know, that's important to leadership. And I, I commend you all for, for that. Um, let's take a step back a bit and talk about uh, just you being an attorney and sort of what led you down this this path. I mean, it's, you know, were there mentors involved? Were there, was there someone that you that you saw that you wanted to emulate or um, kind of how did you find yourself, you know, studying law and wanting to study law? Yeah. Uh, so once upon a time, long time ago, pull your seats up, boys and girls, going to be a while. No. Uh, jokes aside, you know, I, the irony is that, man, I, I didn't, you know, wasn't like a, a fourth grader, right, saying, I want to be a lawyer. I know I want to go and be a lawyer. It wasn't that for me. I want to be an actor. And realistically, that started around that fourth grade time. Sixth grade, I took my first drama class. Um, always been like an animated kid and loved performing and then found acting was such an incredible outlet. And, and, and candidly, I realized that I was blessed with, you know, some just abilities that made me more akin to, to thrive in that space and never feel more alive when I'm in acting spaces. That works way into stand-up comedy in high school that I did, modeling, and, and you just kind of name it. And I've been very fortunate to get different opportunities in those spaces. Um, doing my first, quote, TV live gig, and I was in uh, a music video by Obi Trice. It was an Eminem's crew back in the day, like my first thing I did. So if you Google Obi Trice Don't Come Down, you might see a guy you recognize. Um, I like that song a lot, too. Yeah, it's a good yeah. song. Filmed at, filmed, filmed at his childhood home off of school class, man. So it's really dope. Uh, and Eminem is really short in real life. If anybody wonders, <laughs> like, as you think he is, like, he literally, he's, a, he's like a little dude. But so if you think about <laughs> the, the, the fire he's spitting from that frame, is, it just even speaks more to, the, to uh, his legacy. Yeah. Uh, but that aside, man, like, I, I thought I wanted to be an actor. That was my dream. I wanted to be on Nickelodeon. I was like, yo... I'm in high school, put me on all that, bro. That's where I want to be. Yeah. And then I discover, you know, entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. I actually heard of a thing called entertainment law. And I'd never even heard of this term. It was a concept. Um, one of my classmates, uh, shouts to you, ASR, Ashley Reed, man. Um, classmates at the time, a friend, you know, from high school, went to undergrad together and whatnot and all that. Her dad's an entertainment lawyer. And I was like, oh, there's such a thing. And so I was like, yo, we got to talk. We got to chop it up. And so she actually was gracious enough to connect me with her dad, like way back then. You know, we, we got in contact again back when I was even considering, once I got into undergrad and thought law school was to play. But those conversations through him and then my, my, my dad, I was in law enforcement. My dad was in the military, mm. you know, did work as a federal investigator, had his own private investigation firm. So I had an eye for law enforcement. I thought, man, maybe I'll go fbi or something like that and just you know then maybe law school but like and i realized i didn't want to get shot in real life right <laughs> i was like I, I i can i can play getting shot real good <laughs> right splash the blood pack get up yeah. right and i'm cool yeah. and i'm like oh they got me fam I'm like cut cool i go back to my trailer so yeah. I, I like that concept more and i realized that oh entertainment law what better way to touch the industry so a lot of that was my focus what touched the industry and and i also i was fortunate to learn if you will i mean maybe it does something, I think, to your, to your risk tolerance. When you realize that TV and film, especially acting, is very fickle of an industry. It has nothing to do with just being the most talented, the best resume. Sometimes it's the right phase, right place, right time. Mm. And I got exposed earlier to the industry, became a lot of tools. So it allowed me to do something unique in both build a, quote, meaningful career, right, with an advanced professional degree, with a doctorate level degree, and have incredible experience and practice in a day job, while simultaneously I've been able to 
um, do a lot of acting work. I've been signed with agencies for 17 years now, right? That's I mean, awesome. where I've still been able to do work here and there as it comes. Some, some years, only a couple, you know, commercial gigs throughout that year and a play or here or there. Um, but it, it just depends on the flow. And so, you know, slowly but surely, that opened my eyes to law. And then as I got into law preparation, so from undergrad, pre-law courses and majors, and then getting into law itself, you know, that fervor and excitement for it just grew more. I mean, law lawyers say, oh, I knew I wanted to argue my whole life or something like that. It wasn't that. It's the advocacy piece and then realizing what advocacy really means. Mm. I think that bleeds in even the work I do today. The advocacy, sure. yeah, courtroom is what we look at, law and order, and you see a show, and that's how you but advocacy comes in so many different forms. Sometimes it's advocacy in the boardroom, mm -hmm. advocacy in that meeting, um, advocacy when you're among a group of peers or friends, right? Um, using your influence and your platform in meaningful ways. And, and that term advocacy, which is ironic because, you know, my, my mother always says to me growing up that she's my kid, right? And that, you know, that term, you know, because I ain't gonna take it down that whole side of the story is, is yeah, like a very incredible birth, birth story. My parents wrote a book about it, that one's supposed to be born and all that. So that, I have an incredible high level of optimism and it's fed, I'm sure, from that, but that term of advocacy, right? And so that hits me so hard with a chance to use this degree in, in a way to to help people, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then fast forward, man, and all the career stuff I shared before, here we are. Wow. Wow. And yeah, the advocacy, yeah, you, there's different levels of it, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I talk about it a lot as far as just self-advocacy. Mm -hmm. um you know just speaking up you you said something about the acting piece you know i'll say it in in just in general life or corporate america you know it's not always the nice guy who wins it's not always the most talented person uh the most qualified right it's, the, it's those that yeah. speak up for themselves yeah. and then and then you know you have enough courage hopefully to sort of um and some people will, will speak up for others before they before they speak up for themselves yeah that's true that's true and and, and those are some of the you know most selfless people in the world man um but there's the power of being an advocate for others and you, you realize um kind of like kind of like a doctor in a sense um but as a lawyer the issues we deal with for our clients are oftentimes the biggest deals going on in their lives at that time mm. those are the things that are you know, it threatens their life or livelihood, right? right? It, it threatens their future in some way. It is a huge deal, a huge issue. And to and for us, it might feel run of the meal, might feel okay, another thing we're dealing with, but that's sometimes the most important thing that they're that they're going through. And so, um, I don't take that lightly. Um, even when sometimes it feels like they're coming in like an assembly line, right? The number of issues. Um, it's always important to know the the role you play. And sometimes a simple touch point. It might be a phone call you have for three minutes. Yeah. And that three minute conversation was a thing that changed the outlook that person was doing for the next month. Right. And gave them the confidence they needed to, to move forward and knowing they just heard it come from you because the center changes the reception. I mean, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning both Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but they throw a different ball. That's you know right. I mean? And, and That's so right. who it comes from impacts how it's received. Now, you, you've talked about this, this acting um, yeah. piece. Uh, how do you find time to like even like what what types of things are, are do you have anything on the on the agenda this this year uh, yet and and sort of what yeah. type of things are you do you have your antennas up for where where you will make sure that you make you know make time for you know from a, from a job 
gig. Good question. They call it gig. Gigs, yeah, yeah. Let's go gigs, with gigs. Yeah. Gigs, gigs is the appropriate term. Now I get that question all the time. How do you find time for it? Well, for one, I, um, I presently realize which job is paying the most of bills, right? Uh, and that job just has a way of getting a little bit of deferential treatment because, you know, sure. guess what? You make sure my lights are on. Cool. Got That's it. Right. That being said, it's balanced. I mean, I've been I've, it's fortunate to have situations and scenarios I've laid out, but I've had to lean into things that, you know, it took some courage, I realize, in hindsight, to, to go to an employer and say, hey, it's important to me when I was betting law firms that I leaned into the fact when I was in law school that I didn't hide. It's on my resume. It says I'm a comedian. It says I'm an actor. I didn't yeah. hide it. It's just a cool conversation piece, but, oh, so when did you do that? And I'm like, I do it now, right? Yeah. But I, but I'm doing that in my nightlife. And I mean, ironically, my current chief legal officer of Pleasantries, we met during my interview at our first law firm together. And it's funny because he would say, you know, he's retired now, but at the time he was, he's a rapper. And he's the lead lyricist in a band that he was performing with regular. Oh, and he wow. was joking. We met walking in, he walked in, he's like, bro, it's like this, man. Like, you know what? Hey man, I'm a rapper, dude. And, uh, and one, he was like, jokes, I'm not clean. He listened to my demo tape, man. He's like, they still hired me. And it's funny because <laughs> he was like, he was telling me, he's like, we, we kind of unified on being black sheep. And so it's something in the industry, like, how do you find time when I'm intentional about it? I, yeah. I make it a point that that doesn't, quote, interfere with work. But for instance, the same way, if I have been in certain roles where no different than somebody that takes PTO to go on vacation or something like that or takes a day, I'll be willing to use a vacation day if I got a huge gig I got booked for that's going to you know, take a day of work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ideally, things I would try to do, the nature of my work allows me to work remotely in a lot of those positions, even you know, pre-pandemic. So that might mean, I mean, a lot of acting TV and film is hurry up and wait. Your call time, 6 a.m. So I might get there at 6 a.m., do hair and makeup. By 7, 7.30, I might be in the trailer waiting. I ain't going to shoot till 12 or 1 o'clock. Well, cool. If I got my laptop, I can knock out emails, do phone call. I can still sure. be available. And so, you know, I've had a lot of situations like that that I've been able to still be available um, and still get the job done. And but it's a lot of off-peak hours, man, especially for live performance stuff. I, I do plays and whatnot um and certain theater to work and, and, and to answer the latter part of your question about what's upcoming you know, hopefully some, some stuff soon man my, my last few years i've done large-scale production plays okay I've done them through you know like certain churches do huge plays mm-hmm. right more church and, and no violence they do a gigantic their play is like man some of the broadway stuff i've done dude like mm-hmm. this is crazy and so i've had a chance to do those um you know i, I filmed a commercial a few months back that expected to drop soon it's a national cable brand i'll say um oh, very cool. but they're not here so it ain't kind of care i mean i can, I can say that <laughs> at least uh but it's more of a cable brand that's bigger in a lot of other states you know outside of michigan um so that's definitely coming on deck uh and then you know some things i do stuff that people never see or certain people see go work at ford motor company and take their sexual harassment training that's me <laughs> I, 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 I did the, the narrative and the, you know, I'm the guy telling you about here's what you should do and what you should not do. And that type oh, of wow. thing. So, so it's funny because I have people that work at Ford, they hit me up like on Facebook and once in a while I'm like, hey dude, did you do the uh, training? <laughs> Your hair was a little different. I'm pretty sure this was you. And so, Fine. you know, those, all types of gigs, man. So it's finding yeah. the time, you know, where appropriate to, to do stuff and uh, keeps me sharp, man. And, and, and keeps it fun. So, all right. Give me, um, are, are you, are you writing, um, any, any plays or anything like that? It's a great question, man. Um, you, you, you pull back the curtain on this one. So I'm not writing yet in a formal sense. I'll say this. I'm a, I'm a comedian. As a comedian, you're always creating content. I think 
living life. I walk around, I see scenarios, you create content. I don't perform in the way I used to in a sense like comedy clubs and like just like hop around open mic nights. I actually want to get back to that soon. Most time I perform in comedy now, I'm a host. So I do MC work or something like okay. that. Like I've MC the State Bar of Michigan's annual awards in the last few years. And so naturally, if you let a comedian host something, you give me a <laughs> microphone, you're going to have some moments, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's a, hey, we got to delay for three minutes. Say less. Right? I gotta, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got I to gotta set already locked in for this moment where I developed yeah. it right now. So in that context, I think you're always writing. You're always jotting notes. Yeah. Formal things in preparing though are, um, uh, I actually do uh, intend to prepare a, a screenplay surrounding like my parents, like my, my birth, my birth story. My parents wrote a book on and whatnot. I want to do something of that over the next, you know, kind of year or two, bring that to fruition. Um, and then maybe get back into to the extent I do some like online media and all these, all these hours of the day I'm finding, right? Uh, right. If I ever try to do like sketch, sketches and, and sketch comedy and skits and whatnot. Um, kind of writing those out more formally, but nothing I'm formally doing right now, but definitely things I have some vision for. All right. I have a ridiculous question for you. What's up? But maybe it won't be ridiculous. It'll be ridiculous <laughs> because of the age, but let me just ask it anyway. Go ahead. So um, you're this, you know, emerging star, like actor, comedian, and you, you know, you're also doing this, this great work, uh, you know, social equity, you know, the legal, the legal piece, right? We, we don't want to, uh, diminish that but if someone were to play you mm-hmm. in a movie who would that person be oh man that's a great question mm, mm, mm. they're gonna play me in a movie so yeah like i said it'll be you know the age may not work but let's just go work. with it let's, let's just, just go, go let's, let's lean into it and lean into it um for obvious reasons, I'm gonna say Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> the age don't matter, but now no. you can't unsee it because the moment I said you it, just yes, yes. Now you go like, oh, is that your uncle? Like, so the funny thing is this: like, <laughs> I used to get it all the time where I went, especially you know, I got I wear locks see, now. You, I can't unsee it. Now you can't unsee it. Now I can't unring that bell. I've scarred you for life. You're going to walk in and think that I'm Lawrence Fishburne and you're seeing Furious Styles for the rest of your life. So, oh his, so the crazy thing is, like, my pops, you think I look like him? My pops I mean, looks like I'm, like, same cut. They had, like, a little low baby fro, right? I mean, like, little, like, salt and pepper gray situation. Wow. My dad has been approached by, like, organizations, like, like uh, impersonation folks. And whatnot, like, would you do it? And would you, can, you know, we, could you pay you, like, do parties? And like, that? like, literally, that's how wow. much they look alike. My pops like, but he looked like me. I'm like, okay, no, like who, whatever, you know. <laughs> okay, pop, yeah. Whatever's better, pop. No, but it's funny, like naturally that, and I, I look like him. Again, my, my hair is a lot different now, and I got like a you know, different beard. But like when I had, I actually had like you no know, hot top, a little fro at one point, all the time. Everywhere I go, people be like, you know, what you look like man. When I used to wear my hair short and had waves, man, all the time. So I say that just off the strength that, that he is like my doppelganger. Um, yeah. I have to pick him, but if it were uh, just based on like pure performance and, and who I love, man, I'm probably going Will Smith. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Lawrence Fishburne, sure. cool. All right, next question. <laughs> Larry Fish, got you locked. Yeah, Furious Styles or Styles Furious? Which one's first? Okay. Furious. Oh my goodness. I, no, I can't. I see it. No, that no that that that's fine. I I, I think um, you talked about your creativity and. Yeah. You know, you know, I, you know, my day job is, I, you know, I'm uh, in, in, in insurance in a consulting role, right? 
but I really enjoy the podcast. I enjoy the, the interaction. You know, I'm working on a couple of things creatively right now, nothing in the acting world, but more so writing. And it. it really gives me life and really kind of feeds the fire for, for everything else that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, sometimes it, there's a, there's time crunches on just priorities, but like you said, like you find time for it if it's important enough to you. Yeah. You got, you got to make it make sense, man. And let's be honest, some things are, are, some things allow for the flexibility, the nature to give whatnot. I mean, I actually recorded um, about three different voiceovers from Microsoft about two months ago for Black History Month. And again, that was an organic thing. That one didn't audition for it. Came through a friend of mine who had a contact within Microsoft that was actually part of, kind of like the diversity initiative work and was actually putting together these virtual museum tours, right, for Black history, oh, wow. for existing museums as well as um, just completely virtual museums that were being created in the digital space. And they needed virtual tour guides. And it turned into, hey, can we get you for this one? And sure, I did it. And she was like, I love working with you. Can you do more, right? And this one over here didn't give us the end result. Would you re-record this one for somebody else? And, you know, here I am in the span of two weeks. I'm doing more stuff for Microsoft. I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was recording them, one day on the West Coast, so I was doing stuff at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when I recorded, you know what I mean? And that's because I also because I had, had was on such a rush basis that I couldn't, like, get away from work. I had pending and stuff going there that was hot. Um, but again, I love it enough. It wasn't, some people think it's just about money. It's not about that. Man. They're not saying like you balk at a gig check or something like that. Cause yeah. sure. That's, that's great. Maybe that's paying a different billion. You coming, it's putting something in your savings, paying off a uh, dead amount. Then <laughs> you buy something nice for yourself that you know it's coming, whatever it is. But for me, like you said, when you love it, yeah. I mean, I love it. I have a yeah. passion for it. You know what I mean? And to this, to the extent that I joke to this day, that if like Transformers 12 calls me because Shia can't make it, The Rock is busy, and Marky Mark is getting back in the rap game, well, guess what? Rome not going to be at the meeting. I mean, <laughs> I'm a, I can call in, assuming we ain't filming in that moment. You know what I'm saying? But I got a scene with Tyrese to do, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can't. Hey, dog, it's Transformers 12. I'm That's just right. like, as a general understanding, you got to be like there a ha yeah. It's a tongue in cheek joke, but like, ha ha, but we serious though. Like, Transformers 12 <laughs> actually calls me. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, but I get that. I get that. Um, so you also somehow um, have found time to teach. Like, tell me how you know you're. I know you are a professor. Uh, you know, teaching teaching law, right? Um, at Wayne State. Yes. Talk about That's that. Right. How did That's how, right. how did so... how did yeah. I felt, you know, why not? It's a pandemic. Let's do new stuff. Let's try new things. Um, no, it, it, you know, it's funny enough, to your point, I became an, uh, an adjunct professor of law at Wayne State University Law School um, and, then, and then did start teaching in the middle of a pandemic, ironically. Uh, really organic way, man, uh, that it came around. Um, one, I've always known I wanted to teach it sometime, whether it was part of a longer term, full-time career type of play or just do it. I mean, to the point that I've coached teams before, like mock trial teams and whatnot, either directly or, or indirectly providing support, judging a number of competitions, providing support to people in those spaces. Um, and I actually, in, in my, I guess it had been in my, I believe, second, second year of law school, going to my third year of law school, um, we taught a trial skills course that basically, if you want to get on our mock trial board, right, to say, I want to be on the team that goes and travels and does mock trials around the country on behalf of Michigan State Law School, um, 
you had to do this competition, all school competition. But it was like an eight to 10 week course we put you through, tell you, teach you all the skills to do it. It was really intense. And they realized like we're giving all these stuff that they actually turned into a one credit course. So I actually was teaching a one credit class in law school, little did I know, you know, can we actually got that rule changed? Right. Um, fast forward to now, I always knew I wanted to teach, man. Really organically, this one develops a former intern of mine. Uh, little did I know he was in this program at Wayne State. I knew he was in the program, I said, but little did I know he was recommending me to their program director. Wow. Found out that there was going to be an opening. She gets in contact with me. I think he you know, heard my own proclivity for possibly want to teach and thought, hey, man, it's due to be decent at it. And she reaches out to me and they really just kind of rolls downhill from there. Uh, and then, yeah, taught my first, you know, and this was in the middle of a pandemic to the point that, I mean, even our summer semester was like eight weeks because we didn't even know what a semester was going to look like and, and, and when you start teaching and all that. So we're still on Zoom right now. Uh, I hope we can get back to in-person, if not this summer, definitely by hopefully the fall or something like that. But uh, yeah, I teach the Corporate Council Externship Colloquium at Wayne State. And what that mouthful actually means is it means I teach the the academic side of what it means to be an in-house lawyer. So all my students are wow. uh, externs at different companies in their legal departments, everywhere from DTE Energy to Cranes um, to uh, you know AAA Life to automotive companies like Next Tier and Mala, um, GKN Automotive, right? And they're in all of these roles, and, but then simultaneously, you know, they then meet with me on a weekly basis, and we're unpacking what does it mean to be an in-house lawyer, both the substantive areas of law you got to know like you got no employment law you got to know potentially sec publicly traded stuff you got to know compliance work internal investigations whatever to contract law to the actual soft skills the stuff they don't teach you in school what it means to thrive in a setting that is not a law firm a lot of law school trains you to be a lawyer in a law firm mm. or, or a lawyer among other lawyers and how to deal with these individual clients it doesn't teach you how to be a professional in a organization, in an organization, right? In quote unquote, sense. corporate America, right? So um, my job is teaching through that what it means to be a trusted business partner and unpacking that. So uh, yeah, man, uh, here I am, a, a whole professor. That's that's amazing. What What's the one thing they said, all right, Jerome, we're gonna, uh, <laughs> you get, you know, one sentence with, with these, with these students a semester, like what's the one thing that you would, you would tell them because it is very specific, but very, very uh, broad as well, right? You, you're, you're in this corporate setting. You're not, you're not at this practice per se. Mm -hmm. What would you, if you had one, one sentence to sort of share with, with these folks that are new into this role, knowing that you've had this experience, literally sitting in those th that same office um yeah. what would you what would you leave them with if i summed up in one sentence i i would say this understand that you are not the decider and it is your job to help your client do what they're trying to do and then unpack that simply what it means is that as legal counsel, we oftentimes are the advisor. You make, you advise your clients on what they want to do or, or don't do. They're going to do what they want to do, <laughs> right? One way or another. Yeah. But make sure they do it well-informed. Make sure that they know that you're not the decider. Sometimes we get in the way of that. Or we think that we're the decider and we become the no police. And then people don't want to come to us because we're not a trusted advisor. We're not a business partner. We're not part of the strategic even thinking because 
all they're going to do is come and say no to me all the time, right? And then it says help your client do what they want to do with me. Your client has to make a decision to call one way or another, help them get there within the bounds of the law. But of course, put your business head on as well and think about what's best for the organization. And then everything is an illegal answer about what you can or can't do. Both paths may be just as legal, maybe different risk profiles, yeah. but how about legality? And so when you go back to that sentence, you understand you're not the decider and your job is to help your client do what they want to do really helps kind of disarm you and them and gives you clear direction. I love that. Um, you know, I work with a lot of HR professionals. I always have in, in a sort of a sales consultant sort of role. And that's the biggest challenge. One of the biggest challenges that they have is uh, as HR is like, and you have some HR responsibilities too. So you get this where it's like, uh, we need to run this by Jerome, we need to run this by, you know, HR director, manager, business partner. Yeah. Yeah. And we already know they're going to be, you know, wagging their hand, finger at us and telling us, <laughs> no, you can't. Right. Yeah. And the, the ones that have the best relationships is when they truly are saying, okay, here's what let's, let's, let's look at the entire scope of this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. and legally, here's what you can and can't do. Yeah. But, but know that I'm, not here to tell you no i'm here to, to try to assess the risk properly and, and route to whatever decision that you ultimately end up end up making correct making sure they're well informed like i mean if my ceo has the path he wants to do it's incumbent on me not to say don't do it or do do it but know like hey if he's consulting me it's because he wants to talk through you know hey what are some of the things that i should consider right and I'm saying, I say, hey, Randy, here's a few things you want to keep in mind, right? If we choose A, here's what some of the exposure points might be. If we choose B, here's some of the exposure points might be. Here's the pros and cons of each. Here's the benefits, right? Yeah. Uh, what we're going to consider. And here's some of our gaps, right? Yeah. Um, so he can make an informed decision because he, ha he has to choose. Yeah. He got to choose something. If not now or later, you have to make a choice and not make my job. Because if, if I'm just a no police and I'm saying no without context, it's like, well, come on, man. You know what I mean? How are you a strategic advisor for me and a trusted, you know, business partner if you're not seeing it from the business context? Because most things in in-house counsel aren't as simple. Because especially, you got to keep in mind, your clients are savvier. Your clients a lot of times even know the law. They know what they can and can't do. They right. law says I can do this. Should I do this? And that's where right. it's the attorney and counselor side. The counselor piece, I think you really wear that hat when you're an in-house attorney. Yeah. Far more. Yeah, I, I think I think the yeah the uh, students are in good shape, good hands with you, man. I I want to I want to wrap, but I I want to ask you this that um I think it's important for a lot of people, regardless of sort of what um what field they may be in, they are they're they're doing something today. They're they're uh, either contemplating making this jump, or they're they, they have their, their toes in the water here, whether it be their own business or, uh, you know, a, a different sort of position. Sure. Um, and they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, when do I make the jump or how do I make the time? You've talked about that uh, at a couple of different instances this evening. Um, just general advice for folks that are, that are uh, looking to decide how to stick their toe or to maybe jump both feet 
in in like entrepreneurship, something they've toyed with. Someone said, you know, wow, you you do this really well. Have you thought about making a business of it? You you have a, a great acumen for this or this this these this product that you make, this service that you provide. Man, have you thought about doing this as your full time job? But that right. but they can't make it make sense yet because fear and 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 and. The, the, the lights need to be paid, you know, turn, kept on, right? All these things are still a piece of their decision-making. Yeah. Like just in general, like what, what, what advice would you, you, um, would you provide for folks yeah. that are sort of in this in-between stage where they haven't fully embraced this entrepreneur uh, path, but it's something that they, they are, you know, sort of seriously considering. <laughs> in the words of a great basketball legend, we all know you miss hundred percent of shots you don't take. And just like Goat will say, if if I if I don't take the shot because I'm scared of missing, then I have no chance of making it. So it is really imperative to, you know, put yourself in position and take the shot. But it's the put yourself in position part. If MJ pulls up from half court versus the free throw line, he know I got a better shot making this uh, a better chance of making that shot. If you crossing over, you know, B Russell at the half court line versus the free throw line my epic moment, you know what I mean, has a better chance of being more epic if I know I'm in a better position to make the shot. Yeah. So he still takes the shot, but put yourself in position. So my advice to you is like, is not, don't take the shot, but put yourself in the best positions you can to make it. You know, the irony of, of I think, me living a bit of a hybrid life, not just the hybrid career, and shout out to my guy, Rob Copeland, I appreciate that. He started a golf brand called Hybrid. So the word hybrid in my head all day. I said hybrid okay. job role and hybrid life and all this crazy. The hybrid life I say I've lived in since that I live in some respects, some people just know me as the actor, Jerome Crawford, right? They know me in those spaces. They see me to play. They even know me in the legal sense. They're not in those circles. Other circles know me as just lawyer Jerome, right? He, Mr. Crawford, attorney Crawford, right? Professor Crawford now. I would not have the opportunity to be in either one of those spaces if I hadn't taken shots. But the irony of taking shots, though, is that I think that sometimes you mentioned entrepreneurship, um, that comfort can turn to complacency real quick. Right, mm. contentment can turn to complacency. Contentment's cool, complacency, no. Yeah, and, and, and there's a fine line where, in some respects, I I battled that myself. Where it's yo, I've done a really good job, man, of being. Um, I'm thankful, man. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I'm content, right, for where I'm at. That, but I know I still love acting. To make sure I don't completely rest in my laurels to a degree that I don't jump out there as much, right? Well, guess what? I've been blessed being a lawyer now. I've been practicing almost ten years that hey you know what there's times we might go i mean you know push acting is hard you know why because i don't deter i don't depend on it for feast or famine yeah. it's not a, i need to book something big so i can eat yeah right yeah. so sometimes i ask myself what does that do to my hustling drive and i got a lot of hustling inside of me and drive but the difference between am i hustling for you know that little dream on the other side or am i hustling for somebody else's dream and so that's why i'm very fortunate about my role i am in uh, pleasantries right where i'm I'm hustling for something daily in my quote unquote day job. Never more have I been more committed, more passionate to what that work looks like. Right. Never more have I been in a position to, you know, blend my the irony is that my hybrid role right now that I do, yes, lawyer side stuff I've been doing for years. But now this social equity piece, that's what I've been doing already, man. If you look at all my volunteer work in history and public service history, it's been through other orgs, but it was always extracurricular. It was gotta do the whole day job and then go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I get to literally make that impact where I was finishing our social equity plan and laying out our, our four pillars and, you know, access to value chain and education, legislation, advocacy, good neighbor. 
And this is all stuff that I'm like, oh, the initiatives that flow into these four things are all things I'm doing already or have done or have desire to do, right? I get to do it through my company now with the resources and backing around us. You know what I mean? Like that to me is incredibly powerful and, and, and remarkable. So, you know, it, it's, it's put me in a position where I'm still gonna take these shots, but I'm in a better chance, better place to make them. Now yeah. I'm gonna turn to some of those threes and the layups. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. now I'm, I'm still taking the shot, but I'm in a better position to take the shot, right? It's a, it's a high percentage shot. So, you know, if you can make your, your shot more high percentage, you wanna be an entrepreneur, okay, cool. Let's do it where I found the right business partners. I put together an appropriate business plan. Yeah. I've, I've really thought out and vetted my product or my service that I'm going to provide for people to a point where now that's not a half-court shot. That's a mid-range, right? Yeah. Where it's, I got to do what it takes to make the shot, but it's a much better chance of making it. So yeah. put yourself in position. That's my advice there. That, yeah, you don't think about like that. It'll, you know, people say, I just you know, quit my job one day. And I just, you know, but you can build your business plan grab your business partners, get a line while you're still working, right? And and while somebody else paying for it. <laughs> I mean, I'm right. I mean, to be honest, right? You still yeah. doing your job fulfilling that, but guess what? You're not dependent on that business plan success to turn your lights on. Right? That's right. But you can use those resources of this other thing that I'm gonna work for, trade my time, right, for money type of thing, get these bills and whatever assist, you know, pay for it, and then I can then use that time to build out my model, right? To a point where then if and when I'm ready, you know, I just I joke from my friend his hybrid brand and whatnot. He's got a full-time job too, right? Yeah. Of course he does. But yeah. he's able to build his brand, enjoy that part of it, and not saying that I'm about to leave my job for this thing, but no, who knows? If years from now it turned into something and he was ever even presented where he had the option and decision, right? It's because he's doing it in his quote unquote free time, right? He's That's taking right. that free time, his nights, his evenings, his weekends, right, and doing this thing. So it's it's the high badge you want to put yourself. If you don't do that, people say, well, just shoot your shot, shoot your shot. You still might shoot your shot. But are you shooting your shot when you're jumping out of a window with no safety net, right? right. And if you are, what floor are we on? We on the sixth <laughs> floor? How about we jump from the second floor, yeah. right? Because yeah. we put ourselves in a better position. No, you're right. So so uh, emerging um, entrepreneurs, folks that are considering yeah. um, you know, jumping out there, put your plan together. While you have your day job, quote unquote, Get your business together. You don't have to jump out today, but right. continue to work towards it and your free time. Make sure you're making great use of it because that's where you're going to separate yourself from the other folks that are con- having the same things, that, considering the same things that you're considering. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. 100%, man. 100%. This has been awesome. Um, we have, Likewise. you know, talked about so many different things and just there's still so much to, to, you know to talk about you know the 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 uh the work that you're doing I, I i commend you um you're inspiring personally because of the things that you're doing right so i'm hoping that people are feeling some of the same sort of inspiration that i'm feeling right now that you can um you know when, 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 you know, you may have to sacrifice a little sleep sometimes, you may have to sacrifice some of that, you know, some of that Netflix time, mm-hmm. That's right. but put that work in and, and, um, follow those passions and, 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 and don't just do it, you know, just half-assed, you know, jump out there, take it serious and anything yeah. that you, you, you jump into, 
give it the respect that it deserves so that you can put yourself in better position. I love that. 100%. 100%, brother. I couldn't have said it better. Well, it's all your words. So uh, <laughs> I just want to thank you again, Jerome, for, for joining me. Thank you all for um, checking us out. Would love to, um, you know, for you guys to, to share this conversation, comment, like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And until uh, next time, uh, peace.